The champ is here. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will, I will not, not, not lose. lose. Yes, yes, and we continue to shake up the world. Welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. He is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. And today we are bringing you into the locker room where we talk about the topics in and around the game. And today we have a special guest in the house. So today we have our man, Miles. And now, please rise. Mason in the house, man. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for bringing me on. I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk to you guys. Absolutely, man. So what we're going to do today, man, is we're going to just talk about a little baseball, man. And uh, also, um, you know, there's a special uh, ceremony that's kind of been sh- hidden in the shadows due to this pandemic. But it's the 100th anniversary of the Negro uh, Baseball League, man. So we're going to get into it a little bit. Miles, you ready to do this? Yes, sir. <laughs> that yeah, miles yeah so this is gonna be fun i got two miles on the show right we got mh and mm <laughs> so uh mh you ready to do this yes sir all right man so miles man tell them a little bit about yourself man yes yeah, so um my name is miles Minta. i am from the washington dc area i was a baseball player my whole life i had recently graduated from Hofstra university in new york i was a baseball player played third base um, huge Nationals fan, and yeah, I'm excited to be on Black and Sports. is a great podcast. I've been following for a while, and uh, you know the content that that they bring out is awesome. And I'm you know I'm keeping up every week, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. Oh man, appreciate getting those yeah, flowers. The, yeah, support, man. So, quick question for you: So, third base. I think I read somewhere, um, maybe in the little appetite you had, that you played uh, second base. Was there a, a switch like during your career? What, what, what's going on? Yeah, you know what I um I switched a lot. I was uh, it's a long story, but I'm gonna keep it short for you. Like went in as a shortstop, had a had a horrible injury. Oh, okay. Um, hindered uh, you know my athletic ability and tools and stuff. So I was moving from second to third. I I played both positions. Uh-huh. Um, you know my my junior year I played a lot of second base, and then senior year uh, I was starting at third base before you know COVID-19 had hit and everything got canceled so uh I, I tell people I was a third baseman because that's the last position I played but you know throughout the years of me playing I played every position got you so, so you're just an athlete out there yeah yeah you could say that you could say that <laughs> so you said uh your, your your dad got you into baseball he's he also played uh pretty high level yeah uh my father he played baseball in college um, and my whole family were huge baseball fans. So, you know, growing up, I played a lot of sports. Uh, basketball and baseball were, were the big ones. Um, to tell you the truth, I didn't want to play football because I was I was afraid to get hit, man. Like, I just didn't <laughs> like it. Uh, I was and I was, Uh-oh. We, we, we kind of lose you, making sure we, we get you in a better spot, man. I was um, there we go. I was a football. I played football, you know, and I, I hated getting hit. They put me at running back. And I, I I was getting hit, so they were like, you know, if you don't want to get hit, you you can't play. So I, I quit. I didn't play. <laughs> I mean, they didn't lie to you. I mean, it, it's just a part of the game. So I mean, I think you probably made it. You, you played college baseball, so you made a correct choice. Absolutely. So how did the decision or the recruiting process to get the officer go? 
you know, the recruiting process uh, in all sports it can be really complicated for, you know, depending on the athlete. If you're not a top-tier athlete, um, you know, it's almost like you got to go out and find the schools. You know, this, all the schools aren't going to come for you, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. So for me, it was um, uh, it was a little complicated. Um, luckily, I had I had really good grades, so that you know that made me uh, like appealing to a lot more schools. Um, I ended up, you know, honing down on a couple schools on the East Coast um, going into my senior year, and I chose Hofstra with. Um, you know, the academic programs that it, it could it could give to me and also the chance to play. And they play in a competitive conference, uh, which was you know, really cool to me. So that's why I chose Hofstra. Got to. Now, was the, was the weather, because that's in Long Island, New York, uh, I'm sure the weather around baseball season is, isn't always favorable. How was that? Was that, a, a, I guess, a, a change or a process? It's a little tricky list? up yeah, there, right? Getting used to that. Um, well, I would say this, the weather sucks. The weather is horrible. <laughs> um, it's windy every single day. Okay. Um, and it's cold. So I'm from Maryland. It's still cold here, but like the wind, cause Long Island, it's an island in the, in the Northeast. Um, so like the wind was, it was different. It was, it was so different and it was bad, but you got used to it. Um, not actually I lied. You, you, you didn't get used to it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, playing baseball in the cold is one of the worst things, but you know, it's something you gotta do. We signed up for it, so So there was a lot of, you know, two ones, three three two, four four three kind of games, low scoring games, defensive battles. Yeah, absolutely, man. Because you know, in the cold, you don't even want to swing. You don't even want to hit it because it it hits, it hurts your hands when you swing. So I mean, yeah, we had a lot of, you know, like pitching duels, defensive <laughs> battles. Um, and then there were some years where we weren't even, like, we couldn't really hit that well. So we had to, you know, put ourselves in those games anyway. But, um, yeah. Are, were you guys still, they're still using the the metal or the wooden bats in, in college now? Did the wooden bats get introduced yet? Nah, um, they are, so we use metal. All Division One uses metal, but I think there are some Division Two conferences that do use wood. Okay. Um, but I used metal for my four years there. Gotcha. All right, so um, the the daily news or the times of the university um, had a write up, you know, and that's uh, kind of one of the things that we, you know, you shared with us when we uh, first started this conversation to get you on. And the title was something like that. It's a, it was say diversity is not an issue um, at Hofstra baseball, and it goes on to say in the first paragraph that like you're the first baseball player they had since 2011. So give me some background from the title and then, you know, where, where that all came from. Yeah. So, um, I believe, yes, I was the first African-American, uh, baseball player at Hofstra since 2011. Um, that sounds bad. Like, like, Oh, Hofstra doesn't recruit black kids. I don't think it was like that. Um, you know, I had a really great time there. There was, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with my experience. Um, I can only say great things about the program and the people that were next to me and, and the people who ran the program. Uh, my junior year, we had a a boy who who was writing for the Hofstra Chronicle, which is basically like the you know the university newspaper. Right. And um, he wanted to he wanted to write a piece about me, um, you know, being the only African African American baseball player on the team. So he just talked to me about like how um, how it was for me, how how you know, how I felt and everything. And to tell you the truth, I didn't really have anything like different for him to say, uh, for me to say, like mm-hmm. for him, I mean, right. you know, 
growing up, you know how baseball is. Growing up, it, it's it's a predominantly white sport. You know, in the in the in the professional baseball league and MLB, it's like you got a lot of Latino players now. Um, but there are like in base and African Americans are, are coming up, and there's getting to be some more numbers. But to tell you the truth, going through all of my years, my you know my little league years and and high school and all that, like there was one year I think it was my junior year of high school where I think there was like five or six black kids on the team, African-American kids. Um, but that was like, you know, the highest, that was the highest number of African-American teams on one team that I've ever been on. Um, it was usually, it's usually just me or like one other kid. So, right. um, and you know, I'm playing the sport. I'm, I'm just playing to have fun. I'm playing cause I love it. I'm not looking at colors. I'm just looking to play. These are my teammates. These are my brothers, you know, for a whole season. You know, and especially in college, I'm living with these guys. I see these guys um, 24 hours out of the day. Like, you and know, I, and I definitely just, think that's the power of sport, right? Like we always talk about that a lot is that, you know, once we get into that locker room, that's the brotherhood that we form. And, and anybody that's ever played sports definitely can attest to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you, you hit it on the head, but it was like when, you, when you're when you're all going for one common goal you want to win games you want to get to a championship you know you want to achieve stuff like you, you don't you're not looking at, at that at those demographics oh there's only there's only one african-american team i mean kid on the team and then there's a uh, you know two hispanic kids like you're not looking at that you're looking at oh these are my teammates these are my brothers these are my boys and we're going to try to win some baseball games so no, that. that was how it was for my four years so when you said there was a quote that you had in there that I wanted to kind of talk to you about when you said you don't see color, you know, that's kind of like one of those um, flag words that, you know, when we hear um, it's almost like a warning sign. So when you said you don't really see color, it doesn't really affect me. Um, is that a more of a conditioning? Like we've been conditioned to do that. I feel where, where does that kind of thought come from? Like, are you just saying that you were so locked into the game? Because obviously it's, it's a, an affected issue because they want to write about you, <laughs> you know what I mean, in the paper because it's, a, it's something that's noticed. Right. So um, I think when I said that, you know, I kind of touched on it. But basically, like when I said, you know, we're just – or you said we're in the room, you know, we have one common goal. We're trying to – games we're, we're trying to be a good team right. a good program that's really what i meant by that um and me me going through playing baseball my whole life like there it wasn't the first time that i was the only african-american kid right. got you phased me it, it has never really phased me um and i think since i started so young um when you're a young kid you're naive to those type of things so it's almost like for me when I was playing at a young age, like I was naive and then go, and then growing up, going through high school and everything in the college, like years to it. Okay. No, nah, I mean I can I can but um I can totally under I, I can understand that um just just kind of not even thinking about it really until it's almost brought up to you. So I mean even in the time that it was brought up to you or when the article was was written, was there or even the time there was there any. I, I think pressure is the wrong word, but it, did you feel any type of responsibility knowing that, hey, you, in lack, lack of better term, you kind of represent uh, an entire race, you know, with with the university on this baseball team, or it was just play baseball? Um, to tell you the truth, it was like it was play baseball because, um, you know, like Division One baseball is competitive. Mm-hmm. If I was gonna. And I was trying to get on the, I was trying to stay on the field. You know, people are coming for spots. Like 
I wanted to put all my effort in, into, you know, being the best baseball player I could while I was playing. Obviously, you know, that was a year ago. Um, my career is over now. So, like, you know, my four years there, I was really just focusing on being the best baseball player I can and playing as much as I can. So I didn't really feel any pressure at all. Um, and it wasn't really like, oh, that's the black kid on the baseball team or like, you know, oh, you know, all these like all these black players in, in the MLB are really good. Like you should like it wasn't anything like that. It was just, you know, I'm another kid on the baseball team um, and I'm, I'm trying to win a spot and keep the spot and help my team win. Absolutely. So um, the hundredth year anniversary of the Negro League, man, what does that mean to you, man? And, and, and I know um, being in baseball, you know, um, as far as publicly nationally, the MLB had, you know, instituted Jackie Robinson Day where April 15th, they were recognizing him. And of course, of the pandemic, uh, we weren't we didn't see that this year. So they did um, re-up and do it on August 28th, which is awesome. And Jackie Robinson is one of your favorite players. Um, you said he's like one of your role models, one of your inspirations, man. So what does that 100 year of the Negro League mean to you? And what are some of the things that you've seen or that you've done? Um, it means a lot. I think it's I think it's so cool that they're honoring, um, you know, the huge, um, the huge thing of, ne- of Negro League baseball. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for these players, or if it wasn't for Jackie Robinson, and not just Jackie Robinson, but Satchel Page and and all these people, all these you know athletes having the courage, to, you know, to to put themselves out there and and you know chase their dreams. People like me, um, so many so many kids all over the country. Um, and then MLB, if, if you're talking about Jackie Bradley Jr., if you, you can go up and down the list. Like these, these players, these athletes want to be able to chase their dreams and, and play the game that they love and express themselves. So it's awesome. And, um, for uh, also Latino players too, um, you know, and for the Negro League, Latino players had the opportunity to play because they weren't able to play in the MLB back then. So it's like, it's the same for them. But in terms of me, it's, uh, I, I feel really close to the celebration this year because, um, I had been for the celebration that was like the sixteenth, uh, maybe. Okay. Um, I had been working with an organization to um, help get mayors involved, like city mayors involved in in the celebration with you know um, putting putting video scripts out to their community, saying like for example, if you're if you're the mayor of Birmingham, Alabama, um, you know we had we had. Wrote, written to the mayor of Birmingham, Alabama, and telling them, "Listen, um, you know the Negro. This is the celebration of the Negro Leagues this year. You know Birmingham was was home to the Birmingham Blackbirds, which is a Negro League team. Mm-hmm. There's so many, um, you know, there's so many important players who have came through Birmingham, and it, it's like, so you have to, or you should, you know, come out with a statement and and tell your community and express to your community how important you know the Negro League is is to your community in your area. Absolutely. So I hope." I helped an organization do that with um, cities and, and, and towns all over the country for the preparation of the celebration, which is on the 16th, which it would have been in, in June, I believe. And they would have had a, you know, a crazy event with um, on TV with every single game going on that day. And it would have been a really good celebration, but, you know, due to COVID-19 messing up a lot of things, it was, um, they had to do it, you know, a li- they had to scale back a little bit and do the best they can. Yeah. And um, So what you know, was the name of that organization? So I right now am with the United States Conference of Mayors. And um, so my goal was or our goal with my team was to, um, you know, reach out to the mayors where 
one, there was a Negro League team in that city and also just the surrounding cities and the surrounding towns. You know, Negro Leagues had had a big and like a prominent um, impact or just a part of imp- that of that city and that culture. That's awesome, man. So. No, I mean, it's, it's really cool because we are in, in kind of current times. It's like, you know, what, what parts are we doing or how are we making advancement? And I think everybody, you know, has a different part or a different role uh, to, to, to play um, kind of in, in, in this movement of, you know, social uh, equality. And I think you're playing a major role um, in, in just the education piece of that with those cities, man. And, you know, some things that's is, is kind of cool about the Negro Leagues, and you can talk more about it, but um, – you know, it was kind of it was kind of really booming during that World War II time, where uh, a lot of in the major league, a lot of the, the white players had to go overseas and, and fight. But some of the Negro League kind of stars at the time were a little older, um, so it really kind of boomed out before obviously the integration. So um, I guess just talk about the history, you know, from from uh, what you understand in being a baseball player of the Negro League. Um. Well, if first if we talk about Jackie Robinson, I mean. The things that he went through, um, and you know, like the just everything from physically, mentally, and like the abuse, harassment that that he had to go through, and still be able to go out there every day and chase his dreams, and and not you know blow up and and do anything that um, you know when when you get provoked, and he definitely got provoked, but he was able to remain you know a gentleman and just a ball player and go out and chase his dreams and like. No, doing what Jackie Robinson was doing was definitely. A big part of that, so um, and he was. I mean, he was definitely selected for a for reason. reason. Yeah. yeah, he was one of the top like, premier players out of that league, right? Like, doing, and he was picked because and, and and part of just his makeup. Yes, absolutely. They knew that. Okay, he could he can you know fight through this this kind of time, this era. And then I mean, oh yeah, and, and we might as well go ahead and definitely put a rest in peace to um, Chadwick that played that role. Man, and he did yeah, a. So. Uh, that's very sad, man. Just to hear he was actually battling and fighting that for four years while he's bringing us all this content, man. That just t- tells you the current character and the content of that man yeah. to, to fight that in silence while, while blessing us all with his talents. So kind of just the sacrifice he made kind of like what you were saying with Jackie Robinson. Absolutely. But, and then you don't want to leave out other players. Like if you got Buck O'Neill mm-hmm. who, um, you know, he has a he left a huge legacy. Obviously, Jackie Robinson did, and so many players. But Buck O'Neill was a great player. Um, he was a coach. I think he was the first African American African American coach in the MLB, and now he has a huge uh, coaches and scouts organization for African American men who are in the game. And I actually attended a, um, a conference, the the Buck O'Neill's Coaches Association conference, where um, you know a lot of coaches and scouts meet all over the country. And you talk about a lot of things in baseball, which is it was an awesome event to go and be able to connect with a lot of different people who are for, who are in the um, you know the baseball world. And if it wasn't for it wasn't for these these icons like Buck O'Neill, um, Becky Robinson, Satchel Paige, Cool Papa Bell, you know we wouldn't be in this situation and and having the occupations of careers that we have today. So that was really really cool to go see that his legacy is um you know it. it it goes on and it goes on in, in a huge manner. Yeah, man, that's, that's the definitely great point, man. And, and I'm glad you also brought up, cause I did have that, um, that when the Negro uh, league started, it uh, started in 1920, it was the uh, Latinos, um, Latin Americans that played as well. So they were uh, instrumental because they didn't have a place to play. So it was always like we say, black and Brown, 
Um, it's literally black and brown back then when they started. Um, I had a question for you. So have you ever been to uh, Kansas City, uh, KC Mo, where the museum is located? You know, I have not. And I was planning to go um, this November because the, the Buck O'Neill um, Coaches and Scouts Association conference was going to be in Kansas City um, oh, this November. Man. So I, I was I was planning to go out there. And, you know, I, I can't go because of COVID anymore. So I have not been yet, but I will be there. No, it's a it's a great thing. Miles, have you ever had a chance to get there? I haven't. No, man, they do a, they do a great job, man. And it's of course in the historical district down there. On it's, a, it's an eighteen and fine, I think is the the historical um, district that they have there. And just the history, man, that they have in there that you get to see. And you know, of course, they have the KC Monarchs. That's one of the pivotal and one of the the the. the I think it was one of the first teams that were um, in the league. That, well, that, that that did the best. So it was just a really great experience, man. So if you have not listeners uh, had a chance to do that, um, if you're in KC, I definitely you know take a chance to check that. I got to thank my auntie who lives in KC who took me. Uh, she took me by. She said, "Boy, you got to get this heritage in you." So, um, so shout out to auntie for that. Um, moving forward, there's still changes and plights and and stuff in baseball and it's crazy have you heard of the story of bruce maxwell the catcher for the a's no i have not so i just recently heard so you know of course we're following and and this is just the trend of what's going on now is um kaepernick started this kneeling process to uh, protest social injustice you know almost four years ago uh, a few days ago it's been four years and Bruce Maxwell was the first and maybe the only person that kneeled during that time. And he was so ostracized and started getting death threats um, so much so that it mentally affected him. And his play started going down. Then he started getting into a little alcohol abuse and depression. And he actually was uh, pushed out the minor leagues. He, he got into an incident where, um, you know, he was grub hubbing or something. And he was so in, worried and panicked. Uh, that people were coming to his house, giving him death threats, coming after his his parents, that um, he was just had a gun on him. So he, someone's knocking on his door. He was in a drunken state, forgot that he had ordered some Grubhubs or Postmates or something. He came to the door with a gun, and there was a Karen there. So, you know, he said he apologized or whatever. You know, you don't know the whole situation. But Karen gets back in her car, and she calls the police and said, this guy came to the door, he ordered food from me, and he assaulted me, and he threatened me blah, 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 and then it shows the whole uh, scene of the uh, the police coming to his door um, at gunpoint, you know, bringing him out, arresting him, and, you know, the story goes on from there. So it's just crazy that, you know, he really was moved by this, you know, um, as a player and wanted to, to step out and do something to, you know, push the social injustice cause, but he's one that we really uh, don't hear about. But there is good news at the end of the uh, day. He is he is now with the uh, with the Mets. Um, Lonnie, his agent, you know, kind of was his saving grace and felt he still had some talent and he had to go the long way. He went overseas to a Korean baseball, I believe, uh, won a championship over there and showed that he still had some skill and so he's still back. But it's stories wow. like that that you don't hear about, right? Yeah. And he was just talking about because he's like one of, and I think you brought this up when you first spoke, Miles, is that there are not a lot of black people and you don't think of it like that until situations come up to maybe cause you to think like that. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I heard a story. Um, I think it was, um, I think it was Justin Upton, Justin Upton, or maybe it was BJ Upton. It was one of the Upton brothers. They lived, one, they were playing in, uh, one of them was playing for the Angels and he had a house 
in Southern California in a nice neighborhood. He was coming home from late from a game one day. Um, and where he were they? He had been locked out. And it was in Southern, Cali- okay. Southern California. Uh, I don't know what city, but it was somewhere in Southern California. He had a nice house, a uh, nice neighborhood. And um, I think he, he got back to his house late. And I think he might have been locked out of his house or something like that. So he had to go into the garage. And um, he got into his house. And a couple couple minutes later, the police show up. And somebody called. And somebody called the police and said that, um, you know, someone had been breaking into that house. And he had to explain to them that he was a professional baseball player and that was his house. So, um, you know, things like that happen. And you don't really realize, like you said, you don't really realize it until the situation, you know, presents itself. Wow. No, a lot of stories. But let's talk some bright side of these things, right? <laughs> so on some bright side, there's some news, right? We're talking about the Mets. So J-Lo and her ownership group are really doing a strong push to buy the Mets. I don't know if you've heard that. But her ownership group has, you know, of course, some NFL, some other entertainers, and, and they have a large group. And the Mets have actually said, because they have an offer, I think it's like a $3 billion some kind of offer, but they're holding out to say, hey, we'll give you the opportunity. If you can match the offer, then we can talk about you selling. So, I mean, that's would be definitely a, a nice bright spot to have a female one uh, to be in ownership. And, you know, she wouldn't be the first female because uh, what was her name from the Cincinnati Reds? Oh, she was... She was mean. Is it Marty? Both both of y'all give me the look like, but I don't know. But uh, it'd be nice to see to see that happen. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely I agree. Nice. And then I, I know Major League Baseball. I mean, at least they have in the past. I think they still do. They they, they have a, a program called uh, RBI, which is Re- reviving baseballs in inner cities. Um, I participated in a little bit as a growing up as a kid. Um, so I, I know I understand that I think as a league they understand that uh they would like to have uh more blacks playing and you know, I think you even mentioned it, Miles, about, you know, there's some more coming in the uh in the future or coming through the ranks right now. So I guess just kinda touch on the future of uh major league baseball and how that looks, particularly for the black athlete. Yeah, well you know what, um it's if you think about I'll say this, like you think about football, you think about NFL and you think about NBA. Um, a lot of these black kids, these black athletes, young athletes, they look on TV and they see LeBron or, you know, they see Lamar Jackson. They see all these stud athletes who are playing at the highest level. And, oh, I want to be like them one day. I want to play this far and I'll be like them. Um, you know, throughout the years in baseball, you never really saw on TV. You never really saw that many African-American players, right? right so, like, as a, as a young kid, he's like a young kid is watching TV. He sees baseball on and he doesn't see any people who look like him. He's not going to want to play. It doesn't seem appealing to him. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, but now, as you know, the years gone gone on, if, if you're keeping up with, you know, like MLB prospects who are playing in the minors and um, the amount of athletes, the dual sport athletes, the football bat or football baseball kids um, who are, you know, leaning towards baseball for uh, like a lot of different reasons. If you're talking about money and injury and everything, uh, a lot of a lot of these athletes, uh, these black kids are going to play baseball and they're really, you know, going to show their talent. Um, which is awesome. And since I'm in the baseball world, um, you know, I keep up with these these minor league prospects and everything. And and there is, you know, um, uh, there's going to be a lot more or more players coming up. I mean, there's a kid right now. He's a rookie. His name is Kyle Lewis. Okay. Uh, he went to a, a school in Georgia. He plays for the Mariners, and he's you know he's running for AL Rookie of the Year right now. He's a center oh. fielder, a re- really good athlete. And you know, there's a, there's a number of these of these athletes who are who are balling on the baseball field, which is awesome. 
So that's yeah. amazing. Well, hey man, um, you know, wrapping up here, just like to talk a little bit about a few of the things that you have coming up, man, or that you're doing right now. So you also have a podcast, man. So tell us a little bit about that, man, and, and let us know that the links and where we can follow you and all that good stuff. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so I, yeah, I have a podcast. It's called Student Athlete Combo, and you know, me being a college athlete for four years, I love podcasts. Like I'm up, with, I'm keeping up with blacks and sports and and a lot of things. Um, and I my my podcast is like pretty much it gives content to current or or um, aspiring college athletes or high school athletes wanting to play in college um, with the student athlete lifestyle. I interview you know current student athletes, former student athletes, professional athletes who did play in college of all sports, and I ask them about you know just their their overall experience, um, so they can give advice to to you know the athletes behind them. We talk about recruiting process. Like I mentioned in the beginning, right. it can be really complicated when you're not, you know, number one, uh, you know, prospect in the country. Um, we talk about school, you know, how to, how to, uh, manage, you know, your and Yep. No, that's all good so, stuff. You know. So where, um, give us your IG or any of your handles and then the name of that podcast again. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram or on Twitter at underscore sa combo underscore and the podcast is called student athlete combo that's awesome man well hey really quick man we like to uh end off with a final thought man or a positive message man is there any kind of quote you live by uh something you tell your younger self or something positive you want to leave with the listeners yeah my dad uh you could take this how you want it my dad always <laughs> told me this okay my dad always told me those he said if it's in your hands don't drop it. Hey, there it so, is. <laughs> Don't drop it. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much, man. I like that, man. If it's in your hands, don't drop it, right? So it means the choice is yours. Hey, we want to thank you, Miles, for being on the show, man. We want to thank you, the people, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please share the show and follow us on all of our platforms, Black and Sports uh, on your social and Black and Sports podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Please know. That we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got us sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yo, 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 yo. Shoot me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black Spat out to racks on handmade new rags Shoot me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back.